Welcome back to Arts About. A show about art that's a work of art in itself. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, John. Uh, art, you're listening to Arts About, which is, of course, brought to you by the generosity of the McClellan Sculpture Park and Gallery. And you're here in the Artable Peace Studios with artist-in-residence and cultural sounding board, John Baird. Uh, not the thermodynamic Mark Stewart this week. He is away. And me, as always, tirelessly, Sally Bailey. Indeed. Where is Mark? He's AWOL. He's on holidays. Is he? Yeah, he's going to pretend that he's not, though. I spoke to him the other day. He said he was at the Australia's most elevated railway station. Oh, is that and, um, a Karanda? I don't know. Yes, he I think it tell would... me where it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be in the hinterland of far north Queensland. Right. We're going to call him later on anyway and find okay. out. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to be on about today, John? Chicken and mushrooms. Oh, the pie? No. Oh. <laughs> okay, good. That sounds interesting and, and a little offbeat. Um, we're also going to be talking to Lisa Byrne today. She's the director of the McClellan Gallery and Sculpture Park and our most appreciated sponsor. She's coming in here today to talk to us about the gallery, what's been happening since she st- stepped into the leadership role there. And we're also going to be talking with Cliff Allen on the phone today. Cliff, who is one of the Arts About Elders, in fact, he's our only Arts About Elder, he's going to be reading um, from the play Perfecting My Nature Strip, which was written by Sue Gore and Bill Garner. Uh, in, in fact, it may have just been written by Bill Garner. We'll have to ask him that. Dealing with the gentrification of Robe Street nearly 30 years ago. The original cast included Cliff and Bill, and they're getting together for a single reading of the play on October the 6th in the basement of the Alliance Francaise in Grey Street, St Kilda, and so I've pestered Cliff into answering the phone to us today. I've never been in the basement of the Alliance Francais, no, but I know d- the building. It's a great building. Really? See, yeah. I didn't even know it was there. Yeah. It's an old Victorian mansion in oh. St Kilda Mansion. Well, I know there. the area terribly yeah. well, the Sacred Heart's there and... Mm. Hmm, okay, well that's wonderful. We're going to find all, out all about that. So while we uh, get ourselves organised, I'm going to play a version of Papa Was a Rolling Stone. This is Sydney Crooks and George Decker. I hope you like it. We do. The McClellan Gallery and Sculpture Park is arguably the most important sculpture gallery in Australia and is dedicated to promoting understanding of Australian, modern and contemporary sculpture and also leading the international discussion about art and its relationship with its natural environment. Its director, Lisa Byrne, took over its stewardship eight months ago and we're very glad to have her in here with us today to tell us what's been happening since she took the helm. Good morning, Lisa Byrne. Welcome to Arts About. Hello and thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming in. Since its first phase, with its establishment in the 1970s, and thanks to the vision of Annie Mae McClellan for that, the gallery has expanded and developed into its second phase with the generosity of Dame Elizabeth Murdoch, and it's doubled in size and increased its visitors' numbers and acquired a significant Mm. collection now. And it's entered into its third phase, the website tells us. What's in the pipeline, Lisa? We've got... Quite a bit in the pipeline. Things that I can talk about and things that I can't well, talk about. Well, it's good to have Sally secrets. John, you don't so have to tell us everything. Right. I won't tell everything. Um, most recently, I think we spoke about um, a little while ago, was the announcement of the Sarah and Bailey Meyer Education Pavilion that we're currently building. Yep. So that's all on track, and we're looking to open uh, in December this year. Oh, really? It's that soon? I was that very soon. excited because I was there on the day when the first sod was turned with the children, and and uh, Sarah and Bales were there, which is very exciting to it see. It was them. very exciting. Where and are they going to put all the bins now? <laughs> good <laughs> <The> question. <bins? laughs> 
it, like I didn't even know that little area was there really until it, the until terrace so many, was mm. sort of a little forgotten nook around the back yeah, of the it building was. and didn't quite I think ever sort of fulfill its um, mission from when the building was first built by Colin Munro and Philip Sargent in 1971. Um, so the idea was to um, basically fill it in and make it a beautiful um, space, pavilion space that looks out over the park. And Kirsten Thompson Architects did that for us. Yeah, and look, it will be spectacular. Mm. So, um, and we'll have concerts, we'll have making, we'll have all sorts of terrific creative activities for people. Lectures. It'll be able to be used after hours for events and corporate corporate hire and things like that. So we're very excited about its sort of multi-purpose use for us. Yeah, above its core focus of education. Because added to the, you know, core one of the core sort of ideas of McClellan, which you talk, talks about in the, in the website, which is this relationship between art and the natural environment. In a way, that that is the portal, isn't it? That is the because it had its seemed to have its back closed beforehand. It did, yes, that's yeah. right. And I think for it, education is a way to bring everyone to art and and the experience of artistic practice and to think about ideas and inspire and and you know you know sorry inspire and to get us thinking imaginatively about our world, what's happening in our world, how we can contribute to that. And then artists bring out these amazing ideas through different media and practice, and we do it through sculpture. Um, and more and more through its relationship with the environment as well and positive well-being. Mm. Um, our health is all about our mind and our body and our soul. And yes. that is something that comes out through our experience with art. Absolutely, and it's it's so much more a part of ordinary dialogue these days and, and the... Um, if certainly even the education of children, we are talking much, much more about the environment. It's on our minds all the time, really, now. It is. And mm. the wonderful thing about being the director at McClelland is people share their stories and experiences of McClelland with me, and invariably they involve family experiences. Um, they come... One woman actually told me not long ago that the week before her mother died, she and her family brought her mother, who was unwell, to McClelland, and they had a family picnic day. They walked around the park as much mm. as they could. They had lunch, saw the exhibitions, and her mother died the following week. Yes. And she said that really... That memory and that day for her family was significant for her, and she um, has a very special place in her heart for McClelland because of that. Another woman yesterday at uh, Baluk, Patsy, was telling me that her daughter used to come along and join into different concert activities that were happening through the gallery in the park in the holidays. And her daughter has, she's still got this poster, she's a young woman now, I believe, in her mm. early 20s, of an experience of Alice in Wonderland in one of the exhibitions in the park. It was a public program. And her daughter still has very fond memories, comes with her family now to McClellan. So I hear these stories constantly, and it's actually a bit of a mission of mine, and I'm putting it out there to all your listeners. If you've got a story about McClellan, please email us on the gallery website mm -hmm. or ring us up and share it because we'd really like to create a real sort of momentum through our social media about the relevance of McClellan in our community here in, you know, in the city of Frankston area where we are, but on the Mornington Peninsula, in Victoria, in Australia, and then internationally nationally as Australia's only sort of public gallery sculpture park. I've got a little story about McClellan. When Ooh. I was driving out of the driveway there one day, there were a couple who presumably had been walking along there and they were looking in through the gate and uh, perhaps hadn't seen the sign saying McClellan Gallery and they were looking at the sculptures in the parkland and I drove up and uh, stopped next to them and they asked me whether or not that was my place. And... Uh, after I assured them that it was. They, 
They looked at my car and doubted my response. (laughs) (laughs) And that is another thing about that beautiful building that was built in 1971. It does have a sense of presence as a gallery and um, sort of museum-like feel, but it also does have a wonderful sense of family scale building. You know, it's yeah. a large family home in a way, and that's something that I really, I'm really keen to foster about McClelland. Is people do walk in the door and they feel very welcome wherever yes. they just look around. They can head in three different directions immediately, and they know where they are and what what they can expect. Yes, and it's not overly grand or, um, no, or, or or overwhelming. And there's people walking everywhere. They're walking between the shop and the cafe mm. and through the two galleries, back out into the park, back inside mm. again. So it is interesting. That yeah, you say is that your was they referred to it was that your home on the park? Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, Splash has just finished the, the or the uh, competition or not competition? The call the, for entries, the call has, for entries has, right, Sally. has closed this week. It did. Um, how did that go? Have you got lots of we lots have of fabulous entries, mm-hmm. I have to say, um, and we're selecting that next week. Ah, so very soon, very soon. So yeah. I'm very excited about that. We have uh, the first director of McClelland, Carl Andrews. So some of your listeners may remember him. Uh, Carl's coming down, he lives in Sydney now, to help select. I'll be selecting and also Michaela Dwyer, a contemporary sculptor. Um, The show will be selected down for the two galleries. And then our judges are Linda Michael and Samantha Comte. Wonderful. So that's an acquisitive prize. It's a $30,000 acquisitive prize, isn't it? and a $10,000 highly commended. Fabulous. So that's exciting. A new initiative, and I'm not sure that there are many... Um, which is partly why we've started this initiative, uh, watercolour prizes to that level for contemporary watercolour practice. So we're, we're very happy about it. I and don't that... know of another one, but uh, I don't know of another one, but uh, I, I guess uh, works on paper prizes would um, cover watercolour as well as... Um... They do. Mm. We have, given we've put a contemporary slant on the, on the use of watercolour, we have sort of said it has to be, eight, the work has to be 80% um, made or u- use of watercolour. Right. How that presents itself could be quite an interesting thing, and I mean, oh, I encourage visitors sure. to come and see because, given that we're we're wanting to include the traditional watercolour community, right. but mm-hmm. we're also wanting to include artists who are thinking and using the medium in a completely different way yeah. as well. So Is that an annual or a biannual? We're hoping to do it every two years. Every two years, yes, yeah, and correct. it's funded through the Fenari bequest, which was um, we're very uh, proud of that at McClelland. Um, the family left the money for works on paper and painting yep. acquisition. So they that's where we get the um, prize the funding prize board. award mm. from. Yes, so we're very fortunate. Uh, obviously, a very important part of the funding model for any um, art, in particularly institution these days, because it is so tough, isn't it? It is tough, and it's um, it's yeah. We we are very fortunate, I have to say, to have that as an ongoing legacy that yeah. we can um, use for to acquire and continue to grow the McClellan collection. Another fabulous thing that's going on. There's been an announcement about uh, the fifth instalment in the Southern Way um, series. There is. So we've just announced um, the beautiful Love Flower piece to go on the Cranbourne Road exit. So our beautiful reflecting lullaby, uh, Chrome Gnome, as he's Chrome Gnome, affectionately <laughs> referred to as well, <laughs> or, or other things. Less other things, glamorous. I'm sure. Yes, yes. Um, will be coming into the collection of um, McClelland, and the beautiful Love Flower by John Mead and Emily. Karanga Nicolopoulos. It, that, uh, my that, apologies so to your you, Greek listeners. I'm so glad <laughs> if you I said got that, that incorrect. I was I not did gonna, my best. 
Um, Emily and John have put a beautiful work together, uh, drawing on Ikebana, sculptural form, and the um, Agapantha, which I know is a contentious plant and not well loved by some on the peninsula. I think it's an old-fashioned plant. I think it is very loved by by the institute, you know, the old-fashioned, and and it is abhorred by the environmentalists and botanical. Lovers amongst us. Yes, that's right. And it's a spectacular work, um, incredibly elegant, twisted form with a be- two beautiful flowers at the top that will actually be illuminated with um, LED lighting at night. Oh, so, okay. so has there been some consideration given to how engaging that is with the freeway? Because the gnome, I have to say, is a little elusive at times. It, um, you know, it's it's fine from the overpass, but going past on the freeway, it's a little difficult to engage is, with. That's right, John. It is tricky to see um, from, particularly coming towards um, the city up the yeah, freeway, you can't yeah. see it. Um, it is around 12 metres high, I believe. Okay. I expect at night you will see some illumination of the LED lighting. Right. And they will, you know, my feeling is that it's going to look a little bit like um, a constant firework. Right. Rather than that explosion yeah. of colour disappearing, yep. it will be a sort of beautiful hovering form. Right. A static fire. Yeah, works. a static yeah. fire type thing. Yeah, yeah, probably a little more subtle than a fire, yeah. but yeah. Um, you will see it in that way. I think to appreciate it, though, you will still need to come up the exit and drive through that cross. On your way to McClelland. Yes. Yes. On your way to McClelland, <laughs> that's right. Yes. yes, and you can always make a detour, even if you're just heading north, you can come up the ramp and go down the ramp again. You can, that's yes. right, and experience no both speeding the mode. sides. That's right, no speeding, no. That's right. um, now, John, one of, the, one of the two, is a local, isn't he? He is. John grew mm. up in Langwarren. Yes. Um, and, in fact, he still has some family members living in Langwarren, so we're absolutely delighted. He did attend school here for a while, I believe Frankston High, and then um, I think he moved moved away at some point, at that part way through his um, higher education. But he has a long-standing um, yeah, connection Link with to here. Yeah, it's terrific. Well, so that's terrific. great. I hope at some point we've talked briefly off air, and uh, I hope in the f- near future we might get him in to tell us a little bit about it. I would love that very much. Yes, yes that would be fantastic. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, I, I, what is what is it like? You've stepped into this role here at McClellan, which is, as you've been alluding to, it, this gallery's been here for a very long time and there's a whole process that's been in place for funding and um, Dame Elizabeth has passed on and that, that model has really changed. Is it a really diff- is it a difficult job? Is, is a lot of your job about funding finding now? Um, it is. It is a big part of my job, mm. definitely. Um, I have a very special place in my heart for McClelland. I always have had it, being a curator and coming from an arts background. Also someone who is um, particularly interested in social history and that connection of art and social history as well and telling stories about our people and in that sort of anthropological way. For me, McClelland is really about the experience of all of those things together. It's about the fact that it has an environmental experience, it's about the art, it's about all of the different families. I mean, the the McClellan family who started it, it was Australia's first private-funded museum offer. So it is quite significant in the art history of Australia in that large sense. I mean, there were others in different contexts, but McClellan was the first of its kind. And the, whilst the gallery is, um, runs on a, you know, a publicly funded model and we have tax deductibility basis for gifts and donations, it is, it is definitely tricky in the current environment for all arts organisations, mm. um, particularly small to medium is the yes. community we're in. We have to be very entrepreneurial. 
Um, we have to think very hard about where we're spending our money and who benefits and getting them, you know, maximising that and having what um, we all call at the moment impactful investment across the board, whether it's artistic, there's a whole new language, financial, mm. uh, the whole um, the experience in the park. So it is a challenge, definitely, but it's a great challenge, and I would love it. And uh, as I've said, I really do enjoy all the stories that I hear. I um, see the efforts for all of the hard work that our staff put in. We've got a fantastic education um, coordinator there, Imogen Good, who's going to be exp you know, expanding our education offer. We have about four to 5,000 children from you know, early, early preschool groups. In fact, you've probably seen some of them. I've been posting some of our lovely little family um, crash groups that come, mm -hmm. wander around the park, through to high school um, students coming and learning about the story of modernist sculpture, for instance. Yeah. in Australia because we're the only place that can tell that and you know students can go off they have a set program around that and they can you know self-guide learn discuss and that in the um, come back into the building itself and talk to us about mm. it as well and of course um, we're about to come into the school holidays and in the next sort of 10 days yeah. and nearly always um, McClellan has holiday programs specifically for kids there are so there's quite a bit there's a, some weaving happening there's some um, insect exploration taking place in the park as well so if you jump on our website all of that offer is currently and it's actually been a boost, a put on facebook i think this week another sort of roundup again so they are limited in number so i do recommend everyone get on and book fairly quickly because they do book out. I think we've got three each week at the moment. Yes, off and the top of my head. You've also got some other really interesting things too. There's um, uh, the, of course, you've got Sandy Maestrom's Black Paintings, which is on, which is an exhibition that runs till the um, 11th of November. Yes. But you've also got a talk, haven't you, coming up about Atlas of uh, Memory? We do. So the two current exhibitions, Black Paintings by Sandy Maestrom, who is also a local artist. So oh, that, I yes, did not know that. She is, not for too much longer, but she is. She's actually just taken a very fabulous um, job in Sydney, which is very good for her, but very sad for us. So um, Sana will be moving away, but um, she is still our local artist, so we're very happy to have her in the Elizabeth Murdoch Gallery. Um, and she will. She had to unfortunately cancel her artist talk recently because she was unwell, but we're hoping she'll come back, so I might let you know about oh, that be date good. so others yep. can come. Um, and then we have the Gordon Ford Show yes. Yes, um, by Annette Warner. So Annette's doing her PhD all on Gordon Ford and his contribution to the Bushland Garden movement here, or really the, the founder of it. Um, and she's been um, working through the family archive. There's an extensive archive that Gordon left, and she's the first researcher that's been given access. So she's got this wonderful show that sort of depicts all of the connections of Gordon through Alastair Knox. Uh, Peter Glass, the musician, uh, the Heidelberg School artists, uh, Max Meldrum, and all of these sort of influences, music, environment, and, uh, activism around land management and preservation of forests and things like that. She's brought all this together in the show and then looked at the way Gordon used rocks and landscape design to create a bushland setting that looks like it's a natural setting. It doesn't. Mm. A lot of them have also been bulldozed through over time more recently, which is very sad because people don't realise that it's, it's actually, actually a very created. beautifully worked natural setting that they don't realise has been cultivated. Goodness me. So Annette's speaking on the 9th of November Yep, in the gallery. Um, so it's a really terrific opportunity to come. She's a lecturer, but she doesn't give a lot of public lectures. So I do recommend if you are interested in 
bushland sort of environmental issues, the legacy of how arts and the environment cross over, which is what McClellan's all about, yeah. this is a perfect show for that. Come and hear Annette speak. And, and you probably need to book as well. Yes, try and book if you can. Yes. It's been wonderful talking to you today, Lisa Byrne. Um, it's very exciting. We will put those dates up on our Facebook page as well and links to links to all of those things. And we can't wait to perhaps be talking to some of the, to the two artists about the, the new Southern Way installation, which is yes. coming up. It's not until next year, though, it goes in, is it? That's right. So it's in development yep. now and uh, it will actually put, be put in around July, August next year, all going well. I would like to add one small yes, special do. mention, if that's all right, before yes. we finish up. Um, please be in touch with McClellan. We're having a fundraiser, which is going to be a very special event at um, the Herring Island Environmental Sculpture Park. It is extremely limited in number because it is a special tour just for us. Morty Palmer AO will be giving a guided tour. Morty curated the first, the whole offer there. There's an Andy Goldsworthy work there. There's is a Jill there? Peck work there. That's on the Yarrow. It is, is on you the Yarrow. You talked about Herring Island. Didn't you swim there once? Oh, no, that was uh, Donna McGree. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll be doing the tour and then there will be a high tea hosted um, at, a, at a home not far away we'll be walking to. So it is a fundraiser for McClellan. It is, as I said, extremely limited. So it's first in, best, best dressed. dressed. Wonderful Not to news. be missed, though. Opportunities don't like that. Like yes. this, don't um, pop up very often. Stop press listeners. Yes. Uh, so I'm, no, I'm winding it up for McClellan in that way. It'll be a very beautiful afternoon, um, November the 15th. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to us today and coming into Arts About Studios. It's great. Lisa Byrne, um, if you have any uh, interest at all in the arts, you better get down to McClelland over the next little while. There's so much to do and see down there. Or even and if you don't. Well, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, John. Thank you, Sally. What was it? Chicken and chips or something? Chicken and mushrooms. Chicken and mushrooms. When I was a hippie, yes. Uh, my hippie friends, Trevor and Rainbow... <laughs> of course they were <laughs> <laughs> They uh, rented a house up in Labor's Hill And had a veggie garden and some chickens And uh, were living up there for all sorts of different reasons But uh, I went up there to see them And uh, found when I got there that there were only three surviving chickens That there'd been some disease had gone through the chicken coop And the three surviving chickens were in the kitchen all hanging around near the wood-fired stove, keeping warm, and had tinfoil on their feet and tea towels wrapped around them. Goodness. And I asked Trevor about that, and he said, well, I looked up in my farmer's manual what to do when the birds get foot rot, which is what's happened to them, and it says to keep their feet dry and to keep them warm. <laughs> tea towels and tinfoil, yeah. lovely. Yeah. That's and a look very cute. As he was explaining this to me, one of them fell over dead. <laughs> and uh, so clearly the, um, the remedy wasn't working all that well. Uh, so I said, what I'll do is I'll take them over the road to the farmer and ask his advice. So I packed these birds into the basket on the front of a bicycle <laughs> and wheeled them over the road to where the farmer was in the paddock and I approached him and said, look, these birds are the only two remaining birds from Trevor's coop and they've got foot rot and we just don't know what to do and you're a farmer, perhaps you can help us. And he reached down and he grabbed these two birds by the necks and he threw them under the wheel of his tractor and backed <gasps> over them 
and said, get new birds and, oh, and clean the coop. Oh, no. So That's I went horrible. back to Trevor and Rainbow and uh, with this terrible news. And uh, by then about half a dozen other people had turned up and uh, there was a little bit of a mushroom porridge event going on. <laughs> and the mushroom porridge was made out of the local mushrooms, which uh, had qualities other than those you buy at the supermarket. Yes. And uh, so we all got into that and then we went down to the gully where there were glowworms. Uh, so evening of glowworms and chicken wailing on mushroom <laughs> porridge. And and <laughs> <laughs> that and would have been a very funny night. Well, I think it would have been. I think it must As have been. As an observer. But, but uh, I, um, I don't really remember much of it. And in fact, I woke up the, the next morning in a rather grubby Volkswagen combi van parked in the main street of Colac. I had no idea how I'd got there and uh, or whose combi it was. There Mushrooms was no one, will do that to you. There's no one around. And so I caught the bus to Melbourne. <gasps> But ever since, ever since I see, then I see those little signs, chicken and mushroom, and oh, sends a chill down my spine. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Whose Volkswagen was it? I don't know. <gasps> to this day, really. So, I do not so the know. Volkswagen. If if there's a Volkswagen that was hanging around in Colac, it's too long ago for it to still it's be there. It's a combi. Combi. Yeah. With a grubby yeah. bed in the back of it. Good grief. So I don't know whether it. I was asleep in it and it went to Colac or whether I went to Colac and got to sleep, went to sleep in it or I don't know what happened. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. Yeah. The farmer. Yes. Was it, Were you the only person there when you did that or was everybody standing no, around? No, I was the only person there when oh, you did that. Yeah. Horrific. Well, he was right. No, he was right. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing to be done with a sick chook. I, I have tried to nurse a couple of them and it's just excruciating and Do awful. you have foot rot in your coop? No, I didn't have foot rot. I had... I don't know what I had, actually. No. Influenza of some description. Did you try the tinfoil on the feet and no, the tea towels? No, never occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> never occurred to me. Mm. Hey, I've got an, a, a trap for you here. Yeah. Did you know um, Hound Dog? You know the, the track that um, Elvis Presley made so incredibly yeah. famous? Yeah. It wasn't written by him and it wasn't first performed by him. It was, his was a cover. Right. And the original performer of this was a woman called Big Mama Thornton. Oh, yeah. And did you know that? I didn't no, know I don't that. Know. I didn't know recently. that that was her. I know of her, but I wasn't aware that this was her track, well, I think, her song. I think this is her um, big, really one and only hit. Right. And it's pretty damn good, I've got to say. So right. I'm going to play it for you now, and we're going to come back, and we're going to be, hopefully, have Cliff on the line. Great. Well, as I mentioned a little earlier on in the show, we've got our tribal elder on the line with us this morning, Cliff Ellen. He's going to talk to us about an extraordinary project, a Perfecting My Nature Strip uh, with Bill Garner. It's going to be a reading, I think, on in St Kilda in a little while, Cliff. Hello. Good morning. Welcome back to Arts Hi. About. Hi, Sally. Extraordinary. Huh? I don't know about extraordinary. It's well. A, it's a play reading of uh, a 1989 play called Perfecting My Nature Strip, with, uh, written by Bill Garner and uh, Susie Corr, yeah, which I, was great. It went well. We played it, uh, I, I recall works, I rehearsing it at uh, St Kilda Beach upstairs at the, uh, oh, the Lifesavers Club, oh, and I enjoyed it because yeah. I had lunch every day having a swim. Yeah, gorgeous. Uh, directed by Greg Carroll, who I didn't get on well with, uh, 
He was very good comedy-wise, but uh, I had this habit, which I still have, of not taking any notice of it. <laughs> but um, it's good. Both characters. Bill uh, plays a sensitive, sort of idealistic, vulnerable sort of person, and as you would guess, I play <laughs> understated and laconic. Oh, as you would guess. Yeah, well, it originated... St Kilda of Theatre Works in those days was mainly uh, comedies, that is, comedy plays. You know, they had living rooms, they had the tram show, of course, and on shifting fancies, they had after dinner, they had cake. Mm. Uh, and uh, this was one of them. And we had uh, what you might call an associated artist group of six people attached to the Theatre Works. And uh, we would look at the programs and so on and so forth. And Bill Garner submitted this play. <laughs> In my opinion, it was just a one-person play at first, although I see no record of Bill actually saying that. But uh, I remember saying that I thought it's a great idea, but uh, it uh, needed two characters. And so he got together with Susan Core and uh, they come up with this, which is great uh, music... Uh, by uh, Joe Dolce. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah, well, there's about 20 scenes, and it's a comedy, so 20 scenes means a lot of blackouts, and uh, that's tricky, so they had to be very fast, and, uh, you know, behind the flat, of course, you've got a downlight, and you've got all the scenes listed, so when you come off stage, you have to be very quick. What's the next scene? Out. Yes, And yes. Uh, because blackouts, you know, bugger up comedy, so... It was good fun. It was good fun. It went beautifully. We did a season of Theatre Works. We did another one at the Universal in Fitzroy, which is not there now. And we also did it for the schools at the Arts Centre. And uh, they were both, you know, great writers. Yeah. They did a great job. And it's sort of, uh, sort of like uh, St Kilda, the gentrification, if you like. Yeah. You know? Well, funnily enough, actually, um, I lived in Robe Street probably a few years before this play was written. I, I think I left Robe Street in about 1984. Yeah. And, um, you know, the gentrification was clearly beginning in those days. It was a slow in those days, so my goodness, but what would they, what would the writers think of St Kilda now? It's certainly changed a lot in uh, the last 20, years. Well, it has. It, 20, 30 well, years. Nearly, it was actually. slow, but it, wasn't as, uh, it was much faster in uh, North Victoria and uh, in... Uh, uh, Northcote too, mm. uh, and they took over. I lived in Northcote, of course, for 20 years, first 20 years of my life, and I wouldn't recognise it now, but St Kilda's changed too, as you know. But uh, look, this is a really good play. It's funny, I don't know how they're going to manage it because there's uh, a lot of uh, instructions throughout, you know, whereas uh, when you see the play, you can see what's happening. But uh, if you're doing a play reading, well, obviously Susan's going to have to do a lot of uh, stage directions to right. get through. Yes, okay. There's no blackout. So Susan's going to be part of this production I as well? I would think so. I yeah. would think she... See, it's nothing to do with me. They, but Bill rang me and said, uh, would you do it? I said, yeah, okay. So I thought, you know, I can still read. I can't <laughs> act, but I can read. So, oh, I think uh, they'd be I, I'm not... Uh, I've never had any problem with play readings, although some actors get a bit nervous. I don't know why, but uh, you've got a script in front of you. Yeah, that's right. But, you're not going to forget your words, are you? Well, you've still got you've still got to do the timing, obviously. Yep. 
and you've still got to do the placement of the voice, which are both re- really important. But I would think Susan's going to type it out and uh, send it to me with the stage direction so I know what she's going to say in between. Yeah. That's uh, how I think it'll work. But uh, whether it's, uh, I would think it'll go very well. But uh, as I say, it's really nothing to do with me. I'm just uh, agreeing to go up there and uh, relive a part of... Uh, the late 1980s where we had some fantastic times and some wonderful theatre work shows which I did a number of I think I did about 200 in a tram show so which Carol Pachulo was in by the way she yeah was, uh, friend of the show Carol Pachulo yeah yeah so it'll be good to get back up there in St Kilda it's a what is it a writers festival yeah yes it is yeah, well, that's a bit dangerous, isn't it? I mean, we don't want any intellectuals. Like, you get quite a few marks up there, you know? <laughs> that sort of thing. So, as long as I don't have big, long conversations with uh, some of these people, I think it'll go well. <laughs> I- I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that's good. Well, it's going to be on at uh, as part of the St Kilda Writers Week um, at, uh, and it's at, I think you can get tickets through Tribe Booking. It's on a four o'clock on Saturday, October the sixth, called Perfecting My Nature Strip, yeah. starring our very own Cliff Allen and Bill Garner. Now, starring Bill, it's not starring me. All right. Well, you're going to be in it. You've got to get a good Guernsey, given that you're you know part of the team and you're on the show today, Cliff. Yeah. Well, that's true. Where is it at? I am. Uh, it's at the Alliance Francaise in Grey yeah. Street, St Kilda, which John knows, but I can't ever yeah, remember great the Alliance Francaise. Beautiful Victorian building. It's a fabulous yeah. oh, place. Look, I, I've got no idea how many people it holds or anything like that. I'm, I'll basically, uh, I'll go up there and uh, see what happens. Mm. Well, it doesn't matter anyway, Cliff. It's not extraordinary, and it's not starring you. <laughs> no, look, it's it's really a beautiful piece of comic writing, and it's got that depth in it, that changeover, you know, uh, from St Kilda to the newer St Kilda, and I think uh, so. There's messages there. Yeah, absolutely. There'll be a lot of people. You know, St Kilda's very close to a lot of people's hearts. There'll be a lot of people that'll be interested in that perspective, you know. And yeah, the play also got terrific reviews. Actually. Did it at the time. Yeah. You can't win them all. Well, we will put a link on our Facebook page, of course, for our <laughs> listeners to be able to uh, Don't go Don't mention over. my name. <laughs> all right. Don't like all this publicity business. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's great to talk to you, Cliff. Thanks for talking to us today. What are you Pleasure. up to? What, what, Don't say hello to those two intelligent fellas there. Yeah, we'll do. What are you up to for the afternoon? Sleep. Ah, oh, good Time on you. Time for my nap. Thanks for talking to us today. See you later, Cliff. Bye. Bye. Well, I think we're lucky enough to have the very elusive Mark, thermodynamic Mark Stewart, on the other end of the phone at the moment. Are we, Mark? Uh, yes, Daddy, I'm here. Ah, very good. So exactly where are you? Uh, Port Douglas. Port Douglas. Now, John said that you were in, uh, when he spoke to you the other day, you were in some railway station, the highest railway station in the country. Yes, I was at Raven's Home, which is um, in the Aston Tableland. Ah, I, th- I said Coranda, but that's that's not that far away from there, is it? It's not far from there. No, I went through there as well, through the uh, the Barren Falls, which is extraordinary, extraordinary um, uh, waterfall of the Barren River. Just amazing place. It is but, very um, beautiful country up there, isn't it? It's, it's extremely beautiful country. There, it, it's it's a, you go from the the coral beaches through the the very deep 
rainforest into this plateau, which is the African tableland. The, the, the lake of the English countryside. Also. Yeah, yes. Quite amazing. Ravenshoe was called um, Cedar Creek, and that's where they were um, cutting away, cutting down all the red cedars until uh, and other trees, maples, beautiful tropical trees, until 1988, when uh, it was. It was um, Called, it was made into a world heritage site, mm. which was uh, much against the people's, the local people's um, desire, but um, they've stayed trees. So. Bit of a win for the hippies, that one, Mark. It was, John, yes, thank God for the hippies. They did have yep. some, um, you know, they, they tried to save the game tree as well, but they did. There was a, I mean, there were a lot of, you know, it's all about um, people, you know, families trying to survive on, on how they, you know, on, on how they could, but then you know, I guess they found other jobs. Hopefully, so are there um, red cedar trees there now? Uh, they're, they're very, very slow growing. Yeah, I did do an Aboriginal tour in the Mosman Gorge, which is just up the road. Also very beautiful, and that was an, an amazing experience just to to have described what happened and what's happening now, and how they're trying to rehabilitate the country. And I did see a couple of red cedars, but they you know, they weren't very tall. Right. Well, the only good thing about um, about that is not the only good thing about that, but but it, it's very very wet and damp and thing and warm and things grow well. They do, although it's very dry at the moment. It hasn't rained, of course. Um, you know, the wet season starts in uh, November December, so it hasn't rained quite some time in showers, but it's actually quite dry. Up it there. will, though, Mark. Do you know that rainforests produce their own rain? Uh, yeah, that uh, there are small pore-like openings on the on leaves in rainforest trees, and they mm. uh, they emit um, moisture, well, water when the, right. during the process of photosynthesis, and uh, that goes up into the atmosphere and falls down again as rain. Really, that's Wonderful. fabulous. Yes, mm. and it's self-serving. Yeah. Mm. And interestingly, you are up in the rainforest there, but it's not very. Um, it is quite a dry end to that rainforest. It's not that far down Mission Beach no. and uh, Dunk Island and, and Innisfail and Tully that are the yes. wettest places in Australia, and they get something like four metres of rain a year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, and also, you know, after you, 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 know, you leave the beach, you go into the tablelands, and then you come down the other side, and you've got 2,000 kilometres of your red desert, basically. Yeah. Yes. So yes. it's all very close. It, it, it is an amazing country. It's just astounding the difference. The other thing I learned the other day was um, that half of Australia's bird species are in this part of the world, in the African tablelands. Really? Mm. And that um, many of them uh, migrate to Papua New Guinea and then come back again. There's, a, there's quite a, a range of um, bird-watching activities which I had no idea about, which I'm going to look into. Yes, well, I bet bird. you are. That would suit you down to the ground, Mark. I know, would, John. <laughs> I know you like a magpie. Yes. So... <laughs> You'll be able to broaden your interests up there. Yes, very much so. I'll have a very sore neck. But the the um, the other I saw last time I was here a couple of months ago, I saw some cassowaries in the stain uh, tree. Yeah, which is which are quite rare, and there were there were three babies and the father because it's the father who looked after them. Did you get a good look at them while you were looking over your shoulder, running away? Well, no, I was in a car, so oh. <laughs> you felt quite safe. We used to have them around our house. I used to live up that way, you know. I used to live in uh, Bingle Bay, which is just a little north of Mission Beach. And okay. we lived in a piece of rainforest right on the mm. on the coastline. And we had cassowaries around our house. Okay. Yeah, well, apparently the cassowaries are Papua New Guinea word, which is um, 
the uh, cask of the what is it? The 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 top of their head is a foam. It's actually like styrofoam. It comes out of their head. In like styrofoam. What In what regard is yes, it like styrofoam? Right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah, mean it's? So do you mean it's? You can stick your finger into it. It's softish, or well, you... I don't know. I didn't get close enough. <laughs> I, I, was in the car, I think it's more I... like a weapon. I think they could it's bonk more you. Bone-like, I would yeah, have thought. Well, it's that. not bone. So look it up. All right, all right. You'll, all right. Look it up. You'll, you'll find out. Are but you? The, sorry. Go on. Are you planning to come back down anytime soon? Well, yes. Unfortunately, you know, as you know, I am. I've been watching the weather. I'm a bit of a weather maniac as well. And the, the, I've been seeing that the weather in Melbourne has been quite beautiful. It's really a noise that you know, makes the beautiful weather up here so much pleasurable when you know it's raining and cold down there. It's true, yes. But it hasn't been the case. But I guess I'm coming back very soon. Oh, well, that's but, good. But look, I did have the um, whole text prepared to talk to you about, but it's, um, I, well, I have a question for you. Yes. Why did you know what docking is? What did you say? Do either of you know what docking is? Docking? Mm. Docking uh, with well, a docking D? Docking can be many things. Docking, yeah. You can dock a ship on a wharf. You can, or a spaceship into a... Yeah. Or, right, on, or on, uh, in a cyber sense, in a computer sense, there's docking, but I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> uh, or you okay, can. Uh, well, it's also chopping things off. Don't you dock yeah. trees? Oh, yeah. Yes, well, it's yeah. none of those things, uh, but right. I'm not going to tell well, you what it is. all of those things, but none of those things, yes. Yeah, can, what does it relate to in your mind? Uh, well, it's not my mind. <laughs> it's more about, I want to talk to you about circumcision. Oh, of course you do. Docking a penis, yeah. of course. Yeah. Well, no, it's not even that. Docking is something else altogether. But I, I don't think I can really talk about it on the radio. But look it up and you'll, you'll see what it can be other things. Okay, but, will um, do. Well, if you think you can't talk about it on radio, Mark, I'm quivering in <laughs> fear. Oh, it must be really bad. I rise to the challenge, so to speak. Um, <laughs> docking is when two men put their uncircumcised penises together. Oh, see, together. he's going to talk about it after <laughs> Oh, <laughs> thank you. Lovely. That's called docking. That's nice. That's, That's really good. That's called docking. And if you, ever, you can't YouTube it. You can probably porn hub it. But it's a, right. it's a very... Um, probably. It's a very, when, when you see it, it's quite interesting because there's no real sort of aggression involved. It's just these two penises being put together with their... With their um, uh, there goes there goes the listenership. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Mark. <laughs> so, no, well, look, but anyway, I want to talk about the form of circumcision. Oh yeah, well we're not going there now. Then this we're morning, not going there, we've run out we? of time. What a shame! Oh, what a shame! But um, don't worry, it, it, it can be fixed. You can do a, um, you can get your 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 foreskin back if oh. uh, anybody's interested. Nobody is interested. This is an arts program. Why would you get your foreskin back, Mark? Unless you were perhaps interested in docking. No, well, that's no. I'm not interested in docking. I'm just sort of fascinated by synonymous. But no, the whole the problem with circumcision is that it it takes away the um, the uh, you lose sensitivity and you also lose length, John. Is that right? It's a terrible thing. You lose about eight millimeters of your of your penis when you're when you're circumcised, and we're all of the age where we were circumcised, and it's no longer happening. I don't okay, so so you, there's nobody to compare with. 
There's nobody compared. And to you're old enough and, and old enough and ugly enough to know better. Anyway, I'm <laughs> going to change the subject matter now because we need to move on. It's time for the news. <laughs> all right. Um, it's been. All right, look up. I'll, I'll see you soon. Just look up talking and you can double check. <laughs> yeah. Will do. Lovely Probably talking. won't, Mark. See ya. All right, I'll see you. Lovely Bye, talking guys. to you. Bye. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What is he like? <laughs> of course, it's time for the news now. Well, uh, Fringe, 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 Fringe. There's lots and lots and lots of things on at the Fringe Festival at the moment. There is no end to it. There is no end to what your tastes might lead you towards. So go along to the website if you've got any time or inclination while you're in the city. Go up. Uh, there's plenty of shows to see. The regional... Oh, my mic got out of the way for a minute. The Regional Women Exhibition is on at Southern Boy, running until November the 17th. And don't forget, you can help vote them over the line to receive a grant to start up their next-gen SBS. Voting is open until 5pm, Monday the 17th of September. Yes, there's a, there's a link on our Facebook page yep. for, for that. Uh, also in that program, because I think you can vote for up to three different um, uh, events in your community it's got it's all got to be related to where you are and where you log in from and anthony ransom has his um opera that's coming up in may next year that's about william buckley the yep. william buckley opera that could be another one that you could vote for Nell De Silva's show, Frankanistan, we talked to Nell last week. Um, she's part of the Fringe. She's on her show, Frankanistan, about her life growing up in Frankston, is on at Gasworks between the 18th and the 22nd. Uh, you need to go just to the Frankston, uh, to the uh, Fringe Festival website, of course, to book, and there's links to that one, that particular show, on our Facebook page because we've talked to her. Linden New Art reopens in St Kilda in their fabulous building there. Yes. With two world-class exhibitions by Julia Deville and Natalie Ryan. And uh, the 25th of August, 4th of November. So the 25th of August, I guess, is around the, the time that they open, is it? Yes. So yes, it is. Now. Yes, it is. It's right. open now. Uh, we better get up there and have a look at the new building, don't you I think, I wonder John? what they've done to it. Mm, I bet they've, there's been a bit of stuff. Can you work. go upstairs yet? Yeah, well, we better go and have a look, hadn't we? Indeed. Now, there's a concert coming to Main Ridge Estate. It's Cordless Dancer, and Julia Fredersdorf, who used to be the artistic director of the Summer Music Festival, contacted me earlier on this week uh, because she's organising this concert. It's part of a national tour with the Van Diemen's Band, and there are international soloists from Italy and the UK, Catherine Jones and William Carter. And the program includes, apparently, as she described it in her words, a really fun Fandango quintet by Bob. Canary. I bet Mark will like that. Mm. Boccherini, I should say, as well as a beautiful concerto by Vivaldi, amongst other things. That's on Wednesday, the 10th of October um, at 6.30. It's on in the evening. And I will put a link to that on our Facebook page if you would like to go along and get tickets to it. 10th of October. You've got plenty of time to plan and realise that. Yeah, you have. So Plenty-ish. Yeah, plenty-ish. That's right. That's about all we've got this week, I think. Okay. So um, it's been great. Enjoyed it. Love talking with Lisa Byrne yep, from the Talent Gallery. There's lots of things on there that you can go to. And don't forget that she mentioned a very new event, a fundraising event that's going to be on at Herring Island. And there's also several uh, items, workshops during the holidays for children. And if anybody would like to get involved or take a child along to that, it's probably a good idea to get in now because I think... It's, um, as she said, limited numbers. 
I enjoyed listening to Sister Thornton. Yeah. And have to say, I was at a party the other night with Paulie Stewart from the Painters and Dockers. Oh and he was word. talking about her. You're joking. No, no, Isn't that the weirdest? At all. <laughs> is, that, is that weird synchronicity? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It is funny how that happens.